Good morning. It's kind of hard to follow that song, follow after it, because it's so beautiful. It really deserves reflection. The words, I'd like to meet the, uh, the poet that uh, wrote that beautiful song. Uh, happy Labor Day to you. You are the uh, holy of holies here on this day. I don't know what to call those who are not here, but uh, having a good time probably. We're in my favorite Proverbs, and we're in chapter 14, verse 4. I'm so enjoying this series, I'm trying to figure out how, uh, how I can come up with some Proverbs over the Christmas season. But at any rate, I'm really enjoying it. I hope you are too. I'm getting a lot out of, uh, out of God's Word and His uh, Proverbs for us. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 4, where there's no oxen, the crib is clean, but an abundant harvest comes by the strength of an ox. Where there are no oxen, the crib, I like the word crib, you could put manger, you could also put stall. The stall is clean, the crib is clean. But... An abundant harvest comes by the strength of an ox. The most important thing to realize is a crib is not meant to be clean. A crib was not built to be clean. Cribs were not created to be clean. True, oxen make a mess of a crib, but an abundant harvest depends on an ox. And that's the whole point. A crib is for ox. Ox create an abundant harvest. Keep your eyes on the harvest. Don't miss the point. Get wisdom. Don't miss the point. The point of a crib is not to keep it clean. If we ask... Is the highest good for a crib to be clean? We would say, no. No, it is not. Cribs were not made to be clean. In fact, oxen are more important than cribs. Oxen count more than cribs. Cribs exist for the sake of oxen. So it would be not only ludicrous, it would be foolish to prize a clean crib. And oxen are so valuable. An ox is, a, an ox is like a tractor to a farmer. I mean, if you've got an ox... You've, uh, you've got the equivalent of a plow. You've got the equivalent of a bulldozer. You've got the equivalent of a winch. An ox is many times stronger than a human. An ox makes quicker work of an enormous job. 
makes a, an abundant uh, harvest possible. So a person who keeps a clean crib is a person who is confused about the purpose of a crib. And I first heard this proverb <laughs> so many years ago, but I, I first heard it told by our church youth pastor, Bill Stewart. Bill Stewart was brought to one of the long-standing churches in our area, Modesto, California. And I, I kind of feel like at one point it, it was suffering from the mortuary effect. But when Bill came, kids started pouring into the church. And as kids poured into the church, there were some stalwart churchgoers who were a bit annoyed by the presence of all those kids. You see, with kids come trouble. And so, like a crib... There were those that thought church facilities were suffering due to the presence of, of kids. And Bill said, well, you know, where there are no oxen, the crib is clean. You see, it's easy to miss the point. A church is not a building. But the people of God, in fact, facilities are called facilities because they're meant to facilitate what the people in those buildings do to promote the work of God that he is doing, not in the building, but through the building in the lives of the people. You know, there are people, Jesus said, that strain a gnat and swallow a camel. I've heard other people throw the baby out with the bathwater. Obviously, these are people who miss the point. And we are wise if we don't miss the point. The point is not to keep a crib clean, but to make a crib count. And we need to keep our eyes on the harvest if we're going to make the crib count. The crib is there for the oxen. The oxen produce an abundant harvest. In other words, a crib is a means, not an end in itself. And we can suffer dirty cribs and smelly oxen when we keep the harvest before our eyes. There's a lot in life that we can put up with. We can even put up with pain if we know there's an end to it. And when you're in pain, the end of it would be the harvest. Just to know it's going to stop and things are going to be better. But in much of life, there are things that sometimes make the harvest a bit difficult. But to keep our eyes on the harvest 
is a way to get past those difficulties. In fact, peeves, do you know what peeves are? Annoyances. Peeves. Peeves are pacified when we keep the harvest in sight. You can put up with a lot. You can overlook a lot. You can even see the worth of some things which you would like to just get out of the way, but you realize when you keep your eyes on the harvest, all kinds of things have a different kind of meaning. And you realize that some things matter because there is a harvest. A clean crib can stand for unrealistic expectations. For example, sometimes we expect a perfect life. I, I think we fall for the advertisements. I think we fall for the advertisements. You know, I'm supposed to have a perfect life. They're telling me on TV all the time. Uh, why isn't my spouse perfect? Because every spouse on TV is perfect, so to speak, you know? I mean, we're looking for the perfect life, the perfect family, the perfect job. Why isn't my job better? You know, all families have problems. Jobs are unpleasant sometimes. Life is messy. We work for a harvest. And sometimes we have to go through difficulties to get to that harvest. There is no perfect life. There is no perfect spouse. There is no perfect family. The crib is not supposed to be clean. It's a means to a greater end. And in our lives before God, we have confidence of greater goals. We don't want to miss the big point. Sometimes, along with a perfect family, a perfect job, a perfect life, we expect a perfect church. I think it's a human nature to want our church to fit our personal needs. We want services to be smooth and perfect. By the way, I was really enjoying the, the worship this morning and I got to thinking about some of the churches I've been in. And the, the first church I was, I was a pastor of, I mean I was a, an official pastor. There's the pastor. There he goes, right there. That was me. Wow, the, the kind of worship we enjoy, the kind of family experience we enjoy. And by the way, I do think our church, I think we get the point most of the time. I don't think we miss the point. I think we get it. Grace is a friendly church. Grace is a church of grace. But I've been in churches that aren't. This is a reminder this morning. <laughs> and singing these beautiful songs together. And the talent 
I mean, it brings a smile to my face, almost kind of a smirk of what, the, what our worship was like back in the day, you know? A bunch of out-of-tune people just singing from the heart. And that's just as important and just as meaningful. But sometimes we miss the point, don't we? We get our eyes on all the extras. Yeah. We want services to be smooth and perfect. We want facilities to be attractive and spotless. We want people to meet our expectations. Have you heard the seven last words of the church? Do they pop to mind? Maybe not. The seven last words of the church are, we've always done it this way. We've always done it this way. I heard people talk about the seven last words of the church. Here another, here's another version of the seven last words of the church. We tried it, and it didn't work. I actually heard those words when I became a pastor. <clears throat> yeah, when we were, you know, trying to do some great things, some things that were out of the box, so to speak, for the Lord. You get this kind of look like you're crazy. Uh, that's not the way we do things around here. Or we tried that. It didn't work. When I got to the church in San Francisco, I did hear these words. We never had problems like these before you came. <laughs> you know what happens when you really start putting the Lord first and the gospel? The Lord, Jesus grabs people with problems right out of a world full of problems. And then those problems come into the church. See, a church is a place of problems. Let us never get into this thing of hiding our problems. We all have problems. We're still growing. Don't get excited about the crib and not the harvest. When uh, we, were, we were at the church in South San Francisco for 10 years, and uh, very early on, I was trying to change the vibe. You know, so in the evening, we had our morning service, we had our midweek service, we had an evening service, and I was doing all of them. And then... Uh, in the evening, I just thought, let's really try and change the vibe because the only difference between the morning and evening service were some of the people that would show up in the evening. And uh, so in the evening, we put on little recordings and played music and kind of opened things up and encourage people to visit and talk. Because in the beginning, everybody just come and sit down and then wait. So I arranged for the music to be played, kind of, you know, mood music, right? Kind of a little upbeat. And, and, uh, and then Anna Larson was the former pastor's widow, because the pastor had been there 38 years. I followed a pastor who had been there 38 years. 
I guess that's, you're not really getting that, are you? You just look the same as before I said it. The pastor was there 38 years. He died in the pulpit. That's faithfulness for sure. But then I'm 30 years old. I wasn't even as old as he had been the pastor. So I arranged for Anna to play the piano right when the service was just about to begin, kind of like, you know, when you hear some music before you're supposed to go back into the theater after an intermission. And so uh, she started to play the music. I was still at the door greeting people because there was this buzz, little people talking. It was, I, I just thought it was great. I was so excited. This is real. And then... And then Mrs. Becker, who used a walker, rose to her feet. And that was something of a struggle. So that took a little while. But she finally, she got to her feet as Anna began to play. And she said, when Anna begins to play, it's time to pray. It was like a chandelier fell from the ceiling. It just destroyed the mood, you know. Sometimes the way we have always done it prevents us from seeing the things that God is trying to do in our midst. Sometimes, when the music plays, we think the crib is what's really important. But it's not the crib. It's the harvest. You see, we don't want to miss the point We want to keep the harvest before our eyes. I was turned off to the church. I thought the church was all about appearances. And maybe in some ways I was right. I know my mom just wanted me to look right and stuff, but you know, sometimes we parents, we're more interested in what people at church think of our kids than we're interested in what's really going on in our kids' hearts. That's the way I felt. I felt like I had to do all these things just to project a certain appearance. It didn't really matter what was going on inside. And sometimes that can infect the church. We can be so concerned looking the part rather than actually playing the part. A number of years passed and I decided to go back to church. When I went back, I looked nothing like my mother would have wanted me to look. I had an earring in my left ear. My hair was down to my shoulder. I had a scraggly beard. I had a t-shirt on, a white t-shirt. My blue jeans had holes in the knees. It was the 60s. But I had decided that when I went into church, if somebody gave me a dirty look, like, we don't want your kind here. This is not the place for people with problems. 
then I had decided I was just going to turn on my heels and leave. True story. A little old lady with silver hair. Yeah, she was little. She was petite. I was bigger than her. And she had silver hair. And I didn't even know how old a person like that had to be. (laughs) But she greeted me with a smile. She came right up to me. And she expressed through her smile and her eyes an interest in me. She welcomed me. She made me feel at home. And I mention that because I'm here today. I do attribute being here today in a way to that beginning, to that dear lady who, in a very real sense, was Jesus Christ himself welcoming me. I don't think she saw any potential in me. I don't think I saw any potential in me. That's why we don't judge people by appearances. And we who know our Bibles know better than that. We know David, the king, was not picked because of his appearance. Don't miss the point. The point of the gospel is a harvest. It's not about clean cribs. It's about cattle. It's about oxen. And yeah, they're a mess. But boy, God loves them. And God loves you. Jesus didn't go to the cross for the sake of a clean crib. The bread and the cup. It's an amazing thing. All these years later, all these years, because people have experienced the reality of true deliverance through Jesus Christ. Deliverance from all the problems that we carry around. What we celebrate this morning, what we remember, is that Jesus Christ is the true power in our lives. His love is mightier than any other power. And when He is the power of our lives, then we become a force and a part of the great harvest that God is calling us to keep our eyes upon. This morning, if you're broken or if you've lost your way, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ offers you true deliverance, true, we call it salvation, 
Maybe that is a good word because no matter what our particular circumstances, we can all understand what salvation would mean for us. And it begins with Jesus Christ. This morning we're going to observe the Lord's Supper where he took the bread and the cup and when he had blessed it, he broke it. And he distributed the bread to his disciples and then following that, the cup. I hope you received a small container that has the bread and the cup this morning. The way for us to take this bread and this cup in a, in a proper manner would be for us not to take it as a monthly thing, but as a reminder that our salvation, our lives still depend on Jesus Christ. That whatever challenges that we face, difficulties we face, um, guilt that we can't shake, stubbornness in our heart toward good things that we can't get rid of, maybe having our values mixed up. Maybe we have missed the point this morning. Maybe some of us here have really missed the point. We're churchgoers, but we just really don't know a personal walk where Jesus Christ is the Lord. Not just our buddy, our sidekick, our talisman, our go-to in difficulties, but our true Lord and Savior to whom we not only look for what we want, but more importantly, we look to for what He wants because that's the true direction of salvation. Let's take a moment, just quiet, And then I'll lead us in the Lord's Supper. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had blessed it, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. In the same way, after supper, the cup also. Saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. All of you drink it.
as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, we're going to sing a, a final, very beautiful song. Gracious Heavenly Father, we want to commit our lives to you because you are a God who is loving and good. Truly, truly good. All that you do, all that you want is good. All that you do, all that you want is loving. We could not entrust ourselves to anyone with greater credentials than our Creator who reveals Himself in Christ as one who loves us and does good. So we pray, Lord, that we might honor Your name by trusting You in all we do, for that's the very best we can do. And we pray this with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said,